You're listening to the Australian Water Association podcast series. My name is Joe Taranto and joining me is Jürgen Thiele, the business unit leader at Calibre Professional Services, and we're discussing pathways to a carbon neutral water industry. Welcome, Jürgen. Thank you for the opportunity. What's the challenge as you see it for carbon neutrality in our industry? There is a resilience to change because things have been done a certain way in the recent past and the urgency is not often as clear as to some of the scientists who have done the climate modelling. And so getting that sense of urgency into the industry is one hurdle that we should address quickly because 2030 is around the corner. But otherwise, uh, there is nothing else that I would know that would actually prevent us from implementing what we have presented here at the conference. So the tools are there, technologies emerging. Can you tell us about your um, experience with what New Zealand have done or and are doing in, in this space? It was actually a council in New Zealand that was leading the way. So the Palmerston North City Council approached us as designers and uh, implementers of biogas solutions in 2008 for a solution that allowed them to produce fourfold biogas production from what they historically had done in their plant to satisfy the requirements of a new generator they wanted to set up to produce renewable electricity. Uh, the problem is that the capital that was available was only a fraction of what a new digestive facility would cost. And therefore, the challenge was to make the existing plant perform fourfold as efficient as it was designed for at minimum added cost. And within that constraint, we then went on with what we knew and achieved within two years the target. And was that using new technology? It is technology that using existing equipment in a new arrangement and therefore it becomes a new technology but a simple innovation. Nothing that requires new engineering, it just requires new use of existing engineering. So is there, a, I guess, a cost benefit then in the fact? Very much so. The cost benefit typically of doing it the new way is that it costs only a third of what the cost of providing digester capacity would cost the previous engineering way. So what I'm referring to is I'm a biotechnologist and we're using biotechnology know-how to make the bacteria in these anaerobic digesters perform more efficiently and more robustly and therefore you can load and challenge them with more waste than you traditionally could do. And at the same time, these more resilient, robust bacteria are also concentrated up. So you have, if you want so in a military analogy, you have an army that is three times the size. So it's much easier to win. Tell me about what we really know about greenhouse gas emissions in the water industry. Do we, do we know enough about our impact? I think there are patterns that are consistent throughout councils and countries in the southern hemisphere that are recurrent that we understand but each side will have its own unique twists that need to be understood as well but one main source of greenhouse gas emissions is the biological decomposition that happens when the biosolids that are usually 
produced in a municipal wastewater treatment plant are inefficiently managed. So, for example, putting biosolids in an undigested state into a landfill creates landfill gas emissions that would not occur had they been previously digested before the residue goes to landfill. So we're not just talking about the the power used to run these plants. We're talking about the, the yes, products that are yes, coming out as well. Yes, yes. So therefore, the role of anaerobic digestion in creating a, a truly circular economy in this space is, is something that you're quite excited about. Very much so. We have demonstrated that in a recent webinar I gave on that topic about three weeks ago as part of the Bioenergy Association series of webinars. And yesterday here at the conference, anaerobic digestion is one of the three pillars of a circular economy energy system and because it is uh, very accepting of a wide range of different feedstocks it makes it so cost effective to use one common tool to process a wide range of organic waste feedstock and wastewaters. And what are the other pillars there for the, the circular economy? Well obviously there is solar and there's hydro and there's geothermal which are very important to utilize but you're limited there by cost as well as availability and then there is solid biomass, trees, uh, purpose-grown energy crops for that purpose and in Europe uh, the German example is quite uh, fascinating they also produced since 1990 uh, energy crops that go only into biogas plants to produce fertilizer in the process that can be returned into agriculture to boost food production and in the process of harnessing solar energy with these crops that produce extra biogas they can purify and then use in their natural gas grid as green methane or as vehicle fuel. So therefore there are many different ways you can play with these instruments that anaerobic digestion offers. So Jürgen, tell me about the Aussie innovation um, that's helping with anaerobic digestion. Well, it is a very interesting uh, aspect of it. In 2000, our company was involved to design and build the first food waste digester in Australia in Sydney, the Earth Power Plant. And the constraint there was to produce as much gas as possible with as small a digester as possible because of the cost aspects. And so we produced the first recuperative thickening system that thickens up the anaerobic bacteria from the digester, taking them in more concentrated form back into the digester and by this achieving a higher capacity of an existing digester system. And are there applications for this then at all future facilities or is this a really a, a fairly niche use? Not at all. Sydney Water uh, in 2008 started to use it in some of their plants and I believe now has a large number, five or six digester plants already fitted out. Uh, we know that uh, in South Australia it is uh, implemented. We know that in Victoria it is implemented at a number of plants. And in New Zealand uh, there are already two examples operating and many other uh, councils will look at that as soon as they have the requirement to increase the digester capacity because it's so much more cost-effective than building. It's also the space on a treatment plant is limited. This is taking up a tenth of the footprint what a new digester tank would take up. So moving towards um, different approaches to wastewater treatment, uh, what kind of investment and payback periods are, are some of the councils or utilities looking at when they're applying this sort of technology? It is actually a regional diversified answer I have to give you because a large income stream for this kind of operation is called the gate fee, which 
companies will have to pay to deliver their waste to a wastewater treatment plant, which is regionally differentiated. As a typical example, in the Palmerston North case in New Zealand, we were possible to offer a very low gate fee, which made it very attractive for $30 roughly per meter cube of waste. It would be a payback period of three to four years when the council would have recovered all the outlaying, initial outlay, but then it would operate for another 10, 15 years, obviously, generating a very substantial profit for the owners. If we are moving towards this sort of technology and real commitment, as New Zealand have shown, towards greenhouse gas emissions, what kind of reduction do you think is feasible for the water industry? It depends, of course, on the will. Assuming the will is there, uh, zero emission could be achieved within a decade. Is that what you'd like to see? Absolutely, because it is so easy. It would be a shame not to do that. We've been talking to Jürgen Thiele, who is the business unit leader at Calibre Professional Services. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for the opportunity.